VCY America presents Crosstalk, a nationwide call-in program discussing issues that have an effect on our families, our communities, our churches, our nation, and our world. Crosstalk, an opportunity for you to voice your concerns for biblical principles. And now live by satellite and around the world on the Internet at vcyamerica.org. Here is today's Crosstalk. We do thank you for joining us today here on Crosstalk. Ladies and gentlemen, Proverbs 21 states, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. You know, for the guest we have with us today, what unfolded on one day in their lives has forever impacted them. You see, they were on the mission field, serving the Lord when Islamists kidnapped our guest. He faced torture, he faced death over the course of 231 grueling days. They are with us today to tell their gripping and inspiring story of survival, faith, and the overwhelming power of God's mercy and His glory during the darkest moments of their family's real-life nightmare. Joining us today on Crosstalk, we welcome Herb and Linda Gregg. Uh, They serve the Lord as missionaries in the country of Dagestan. Uh, Their story has been documented in the newly released DVD, 231 Days, A Miraculous True Story of Faith in the Face of Terror. And uh, Herb, first of all, welcome to you here to our program today. Thank you much. And Linda, thank you also for joining us. Thank you. Well, you were missionaries in Dagestan, and for those not familiar with Dagestan, where is this located? Dagestan is uh, the southernmost area of Russia, right by right by the western coast of the Caspian Sea. Okay. And and Linda, when did you first arrive in, in Dagestan? We went down to Dagestan in the uh, September of 1995. Mm-hmm. And, and what was your mission there? We went down there um, to start a church, actually. Um, but to be able to start a church, we had, we had a small team. We needed to work. So Herb and I taught school at the pedagogical university there. Mm-hmm. And that got visas for our whole team. Okay, and so uh, before the kidnapping incident, which we're going to be talking about, so you were serving there for a number of years already in Dagestan? Yes, about four. Okay, so on one of those days, Herb, you were walking home, uh, playing basketball with, uh, with orphans. Tell us what happened. Yes, it was November 11th, 98, um, and it was about 4 p.m., starting to get dark already in those uh, northern latitudes. And um, I was just walking with a 13-year-old boy from our church. We were just talking and enjoying one another. And uh, all of a sudden, a big white car pulled up to my side, totally unexpected. And uh, a man jumped out in front of me and flashed a police badge. And uh, then... Immediately, a wrestling match ensued, and um, he started working on trying to get me into the car. Couldn't do it alone, so a buddy jumped out of the car and lifted up my legs and jammed me into the car, and that started all those days. Right. So had you ever had any inclination previous that you had been followed or were being watched? Uh, A week before that happened, that, that same day, it was on a Wednesday, I was um, accosted by a group not too far from my apartment building, and they asked questions and and so forth. And um, they were the same same guys that did this to me. And, and I didn't at that time I didn't put two and two to, together to realize they were casing me out, and, mm-hmm. and that the next week they would get me. And and uh, when you got in the vehicle, were you able to watch where you were going? No. I had a sock cap on. They made me put that down over my eyes. And so I was, it was like a blindfold situation. And about how long was that ride? That ride was uh, not long, maybe uh, 10, 15 minutes. Okay, but you had no clue where you are going. Right. Uh, Linda, when did you first find out that your husband was apprehended? Where were you? Uh, what were you doing? Tell us what happened. Well, the little boy that was with Herb 
he jumped on the back of one of them when they were trying to get Herb into the car, and he had no money attached to him, so they threw him off and told him to get lost. And he watched um, when they got Herb into the car and tried to get a license plate number, but there wasn't one. So he ran back to the orphanage, and um, two of our co-workers, well, our team co-worker, Christine, was there, and the young fella, Marat, that did the music, they always went to help her with the basketball, and they were still there. So he told them, and they rushed to our house, Marat and Christine, and I heard this, Herb was late getting home, which wasn't often that he did that, um, and I was getting a little worried, and then they came to the door and banged on it, and I opened it up, and they go, oh, was Herb here? They looked terrible. They'd been running, and I said, no, I thought he was with you, and so they said, uh, well, they didn't say anything at first. They just looked stricken that he wasn't there, and I said, what's the matter? And they finally told me that there had been an accident, so I said, well... Uh, that he and, and they said that he and Alka were walking home and there was an accident. And I said, was he run over? And they said, no worse. And I thought, oh, no, what's worse, you know? And then finally they said that the car pulled up and pulled Herb in. And that's how I found out. And do you know, did, when did you find out what was the purpose of this apprehension? Didn't really find out the purpose of the apprehension for days. Okay. So I was all the way out of the country. Okay. I didn't even know for sure if he was alive or... Well, we did know he was kidnapped, but we didn't know anything else. So, Linda, you were visited by police? Yeah, yes, I was. They came first um, after we got in. They, Christine and Marat came in, and we called the authorities, and then um, we sat down to pray, and... Uh, an interesting thing happened while we were praying. I prayed first, and then while they were praying, I remembered that he was kidnapped on a Wednesday. And on Saturday, we had had a youth meeting, and it got over, or our activities got over sooner than we thought. So we said, well, let's just go around, and everybody can say something that they see God working in the life of one of the other youth. And mm-hmm. so when it got to my turn, I had this giant desire to tell Herb how much I loved him. So I did told him that I loved him so much and that he was the most faithful person to the Lord in the big things and the little things that I had of anybody I ever knew. And the kids thought that was hilarious. Hmm. And I didn't really know why I did it. But then on this day, it came back to my mind, and I realized that if anything ever happened to her, the thing that would make me feel the worst was if I couldn't tell him how much I loved him. So I really believe that God let me tell him on that day, knowing that this was going to happen. Well, that helped my heart slow down, and I realized God was in control. Yeah, indeed. So you had this prayer time before the police arrived? Yes. And And then they came knocking at the door, Mm -hmm. and they came in, and they were all official. They told me they were from the area of town where Herb had been kidnapped and um, acted all official. And then they took out a pad of paper, and they started um, making a drawing of my apartment they said oh what's this i said it's a bedroom what do you do there i said well this is where we sleep well then what's this this is the guest bedroom who sleeps in there i said nobody unless we have a guest and then the living room you know what do you do here i said well this is where we have guests you know and they said you have very many visitors we said yeah we have all kinds of visitors you know lots of people then the dining room and went around and then um these are strange strange questions yeah strange then, when we got almost done, another big knock at the door, and it was more policemen. And the other police, these policemen were from the area where we live. And so then they got to be in a big fight over who was supposed to be there. And the ones that came first rushed out, and the other ones, and they said they'd be back in a few minutes. And then these other guys, you know, they went, and they started doing the same thing, making a little map of my house. And finally I said, is this what... Um, well, I thought, is this what police training is here? But I didn't say that. Mm-hmm. I said, has anybody um, got a roadblocks or anything to see if, you know, uh, they can get the people that have Herb? And he goes, oh. And he called the, um, the director of the university that we taught at and told him what happened. And he said that he'd do everything he could to get us out. And then he called the police station, or I got a call from the police station, and we had to get in the car 
and go down to where Herb was kidnapped because they were looking for a bag, his sports bag, and then they took Christine and Marat and I over to the police station to mm. get interviewed. Well, so, but you were told actually to leave the country then, correct? Yes. Okay. Well, later. I, I had to get out of Dagestan, okay. and so I had to get, Christine and I were the only ones there with our organization at the time, so we had to get to Moscow. Mm-hmm. And and eventually then you were told to go home to America. That's right. And why was that? Why were you to leave the country? Why were you to head home to America? They said I was the weakest link, that I cared the most, and they would try to contact me. And if they did and couldn't get what they asked for, then they would have to hurt Herb to show they were serious. So, Herb, let's go back to you here. What was going through your mind when you were taken? I mean, did you believe your life was in imminent danger? Well, yes and no. I knew it was a very dangerous situation, but the presence of the Lord was so real, even from the the moment of the abduction in the in the car, and uh, and I knew this was going to be a, a huge ordeal, but uh, not necessarily uh, was I thinking it was going to end up in death. Mm-hmm. When did you understand that there was a price put on your head? Oh, fairly early on, uh, they explained to me uh, the amount that they were uh, requiring and why they thought it was just fine and reasonable. Mm-hmm. So do you have any indication that, that you were apprehended uh, for reasons other than you might be able to get money for them? Or uh, was there opposition to your message? They, you know, Because you, you're kind of doing covert missions in the country. Did they know that? Um, yes, they really were irked that there was an American Christian missionary on their Islamic territory, mm-hmm. and and so that was part of the problem. So you actually, through the course of time, you had many threats that were placed on your life by your captors, and I'd like you to tell us about those threats, and, and you even speak in your documentary about the marathon of death, so tell us about these, these many threats placed on your life and, and that marathon of death. Yeah, well, I, I, was, I was told that whenever anyone would enter my little room that they held me in, a little washroom, I had to have the uh, sock cap over my eyes and instantly get on all fours, stick my nose in the corner, and then often they would they would come up to me and they would say, uh, "We're going to cut your nose off, or we're going to cut your ears off, or what is this? That's a rifle to kill you with." And and uh, during that time, I had those, those months, I had a pistol to my face three times, and um, it was uh, very intense, uh, oftentimes. Mm-hmm. And so you really never knew from one day to the next whether they were going to fulfill their their words by action. That's right. But they really, I knew they really wanted the money and they needed me to cooperate with them in order to try to obtain that ransom amount. And so I, I did cooperate as far as all that. The only thing I did not cooperate with them was regarding the faith, and otherwise I, 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 I worked with them. Friends, we'll be back in just one minute. You're listening to Crosstalk on VCY America. Back to Genesis with Dr. John Morris, popular creation speaker and author with the Institute for Creation Research. Dr. Morris, has the Bible been confirmed by archaeological discoveries? In many ways, it has, Chris. Many ancient artifacts have been found, and in each case, they confirm the general framework given in Scripture. The Bible claims to be a book of true history, and we would expect to find historical evidence and general agreement with it. But we wouldn't expect everything to be found. Much of the Bible took place long ago, and documents would be rare. But with many turns of the archaeologist's spade, we find details that support Scripture. Yes, we can be confident that the Bible is literally true, and even better than that, it's spiritually true. The evidence we find in history enhances our confidence in its spiritual claims. It all started back in Genesis. Thanks, Dr. Morris. For more information, you can find us on the web at www.icr.org. 
231 days, faith in the face of terror. That's our topic today. Herb and Linda Gregg are with us today, serving the Lord as missionaries in, in Dagestan. And uh, there the story unfolded. Um, it's a miraculous, true story of faith in, in the face of terror. A little bit later, we'll tell you how you can obtain a copy of this just very moving documentary uh, that's been put together in regard to their, their life and testimony on this very issue. Uh, Herb was just describing for us this uh, this marathon of death and the threats that were placed on his life by his captors. Uh, Linda, at this time as well, has uh, was taken by surprise and taken to the police station and, and then told to leave the area, the, the country there, and then also to return to the United States. As all of this is unfolding, a price was placed upon his head. Ransom money is being uh, demanded here. Uh, Herb, you actually gave names to your captors. Uh, tell us about those names and how you developed them. Yeah. Uh, throughout the days and weeks, I kind of got to know the mannerisms and and the gait and the voices of these uh, various young men. And uh, I didn't know uh, some of their real names, so I, I just made made up names for them. Uh, the one of the main ones uh, who would talk to me and, and try to work out the ransom uh, was a, a, a Chechen uh, young man with um, a dark beard, and, and I just called him Cap for Captor. And um, another one uh, actually working with him closely and who oftentimes did talk to me I, I would hear him be called Hassan, and so that's what he referred to himself as, so I used that, that name. A man in charge of them had a heavy walk and a heavy talk, and so I called him uh, Bear. There was one who was very active, uh, very athletic, and really intensely hated me, and he loved uh, kicking me, actually, so... I called him Kicker. Hmm. Uh, another food server I had, I had several food servers o- over those months, one that was very nice and and uh, tr- tried to be helpful, and so I, I called him Nice. So it was, it was things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you, uh, did you believe this was going to be a short captivity, or did you think this was going to be a long haul, or or at any moment your life might be taken? I had no idea. I, I thought the, the struggle or the desire for the money was very, very strong. One of the main reasons that we, we discovered later on that they have two goals. And during those years that the Chechens were doing this, they, they were taking some 1,800 people every year. And their goal was, was twofold. First, the, the ransom money, of course, for the sake of jihad. But the other goal was to actually convert that prisoner to be an extremist like they were. Hmm. And that's actually what happened to Cap. He let it out one day by, by accident that he was just a nominal Muslim. They got him off the street one day and radicalized him. Wow. Now, you were forced, I guess you made a couple of videos, but you were forced to your first video. Tell us about the video. What was the purpose of it? Yeah, I actually had to make three, three? videos okay. over those seven and a half months. Yes, and I had to appeal for money. They they gave me the ideas, what I had to say, and I cooperated uh, with them and, and said what they wanted. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, let's get back to you here, Linda, as well. I'm sure you could only imagine what your husband was enduring at this time. What gave you peace during this time, or, or were you just filled with anxiety? Well, um, it was interesting. The the Lord was with me every day from that first time when um, I realized that God knew that it was going to happen on Wednesday. He had things that happened all along the time to let me know that he was with me. And like Herb that day, he had when he came home, he came home from the bank because we had to take a trip somewhere, and he changed too much money. 
And so I said, whoa, what are you doing with all that money? He said, oh, I bought it for a trip. I exchanged it for a trip. And I said, oh, no, that's too much money. He said, oh, we'll think of some way to, to spend it. And what it ended up being was exactly the amount of money that I needed hmm. to buy a ticket out of Dagestan for Moscow for Christine and I. Things like that. It was like all the time things like that on the airplane coming back from the uh, to the United States from Moscow. Mm-hmm. Um, I had an experience on the airplane where he just came to me in a way I was listening to praise music, and it was just an experience that was unbelievable. I never read about it or anything, um, and it was amazing and you'll have to watch the documentary to see what happened right (laughs) so at at any point linda did you feel that that god had abandoned you that 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 he was just clueless to what was happening uh, to you or to your husband no i didn't Mm -hmm. i didn't he was with me and i i didn't know whether her was going to get out and that's what happened on the airplane he gave me an assurance that it that he was in this and um that he was marvelous and great, and that if he took her, it would be great. And if he didn't, it would be great. Actually, I came to the point where I wished he would take me, too, if he took her. Well, how about you, Herb? At any point through this captivity, and you had these threats, that pistol put to your head a few times, at any point did you feel God had abandoned you, that he didn't know where you were or what was happening to you? Not at all. Actually, that... That little room I was held in, uh, for some reason, I, uh, the, a lot of Old Testament passages and characters came to mind. And actually, it felt like I was in uh, Noah's Ark, that there was a lot of uh, death and darkness and destruction outside mm-hmm. uh, among these young men who really wanted to do me in, and yet God's presence was so real and and powerful inside. And so he he kept my hope up. Linda, tell us about your children. Uh, What were their ages at this time as as this was unfolding? How did they react to what was going on? Well, our daughters, who I called first, she was about 24, maybe. And she was just, she was married and she just had a, well, I don't know, two years old, maybe, a special mm-hmm. needs little grandson, yeah. our first one, Caleb. And um, it was very hard to call her because when I very, I was busy going to the police station and this and that, but when I had to call her and tell her what happened, that was really difficult because it just made everything real. So she started crying, I started crying. But um, I just told her, you know, get people praying and, you know, everything will be okay. So I told her what had happened when I was praying, and then she called our son, and he was in college at the time at a Christian college mm-hmm. in Phoenix, and um, he just got down on his knees and started praying, too, that God would take care of Herb and, um, and help us all get through this thing. And yeah. Amy called it the big weight. <laughs> yeah, indeed. And and I know your your children dealt, and, and when you watch the documentary, you'll see some of the emotions that they went through this whole ordeal. Your son talked about some of the bitterness he had to work through, and, and your daughter even talked about uh, anger. And I'd just like to play just a brief clip of, from the documentary okay. here from, from your daughter. Okay. So angry. Uh, to my depths, in a rage that I didn't know, honestly, what how you can survive that kind of anger um, and th- that kind of questioning. Um, and really, I mean, ultimately, I think it was this anger at God, at the fact that this could happen, that this was happening, in fact. Um, and where where was he? What What is this? And, and so the documentary talks about this and how, just as God was working in your life, Linda, and Herb, as he was working in your life, he was working in your daughter's life, dealing with these anger issues. He was working in your son's life, dealing with the bitterness issues as well. Yes, he was. And you know, the thing that's really interesting is Herb and I didn't have the same issues our kids did. Yeah, yeah. But God met them in their issue and gave them victory in a beautiful way. I mean, they are beautiful young 
Christian adults. It's 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. They loved the Lord. It wasn't um, very many years after Herb was kidnapped that Jason and his wife and little boy left for the mission field. It was something very... Um, it was a great thing that God did in their lives through a very difficult thing. Now, Herb, they had threatened to to take off your head. They had threatened to take off your hand uh, and eventually cut off your right index finger. Why did they do that? They felt they needed to do something drastic because the months were passing and no money was forthcoming. So they, and they had... Uh, verbalized that they would do those types of things if the money didn't come. So they felt compelled to to do an action that showed how serious they were in order to jog the the getting of the money. And so they just took you from where you were being held and cut off your finger? Well, Cap came in one day and explained what they were going to do and why they felt like they had to do it. Mm-hmm. And and then they they went ahead and went went through with it. My. Now I understand also that uh that there was some indication to you that you would not use that finger to point upward recognizing Allah, is that correct? That's right. That that's he walked into the room and said, you know why we're taking that finger holding up his his index finger on his right hand? I said, No, why? Because you don't say uh there God is one and Muhammad is his messenger. Hmm. So you're going to lose that finger. Wow, wow. Because you refused to give that Islamic confession of faith. Uh, you exactly. actually you actually had a second uh, videotaping then that happened, but something uh, had changed in the appearance of your, your captors. I understand yes. that you saw them. They didn't have their, ma- their mask on. Yeah. Uh, there was a time when... Um, they were talking to me. It wasn't during a videotaping. It was uh, another time when they actually took their their masks off, and that really made my heart sink at that particular moment because I realized that uh, they weren't worried about me seeing their faces and uh, being able to provide ID to uh, police-type people. Mm-hmm. And so which all intimated my my death. So it was uh, that 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 was a bad evening when that happened. Wow. Did did either of you ever deny Christ during this time? No. No. Hmm. So uh, take us past. Uh, there were other things and and uh, friends. Uh, let me tell you about this documentary. As a matter of fact, for just seconds from a break. And we're going to take a break. We'll come back to tell you how you can obtain a copy of this documentary. And then we're going to get to actually the portion of their release. Uh, what was that all about and how did that come together? So stay with us, friends. We'll be back in just one minute. You're listening to Crosstalk on the VCY American Network. Uh, with us today on broadcast, uh, we have Herb and Linda Gregg, who served the Lord as missionaries in the country of Dagestan. They, they, uh, their story is documented in this DVD called 231 Days. Days, a miraculous true story of faith in the face of terror. Back in one minute here on Crosstalk. The New England Primer was introduced in Boston in 1690 by Benjamin Harris. It was the first textbook printed in America. For a century after its introduction, it was the beginning textbook for students, and until well into the 20th century, it continued to be a principal text in all types of American schools. The founders, as well as millions of other Americans, learned to read from the New England Primer and the Bible. The core of the Primer is its rhyming alphabet such as for letter A, in Adam's fall, we send all. The letter G, as runs the glass, man's life doth pass. It also included lessons for youth, Bible questions, and a shorter catechism. A pocket-sized hardcover edition of this 1777 historical reprint is available for a donation of $9 or more by calling VCY at 1-800-729-9829. Ask for the New England Primer. 
You're listening to Crosstalk on VCY America. With us is Herb and Linda Gregg, serving the Lord uh, as missionaries in the province of uh, Russia called Dagestan. And uh, we are so grateful for their coming on and being with us here today. We're going to unfold more of their story. But, friends, we'd like to get their story in your hands. It's a 67-minute powerful documentary. It's entitled 231 Days. It is a powerful true story of missionaries Herb and Linda Gregg. Uh, Gregg kidnapped by followers of Islam as uh, as uh, he faced torture and uh, the prospect of death over the course of 231 grueling days. Uh, it's a gripping and inspiring story of survival, faith, the overwhelming power of God's mercy and glory during the very darkest moments of their, their life and this real-life nightmare that they're living out. But we are making this documentary, 231 Days, available for donation of just $10 here to Crosstalk. We'd like to encourage you to get multiple copies to share with others. Uh, Rich Cristiano says this is a gripping story of faith that will be an inspiration to Christians everywhere and encouragement to those searching for purpose in their lives. If uh, you'd like to obtain a copy or multiple copies of 231 Days, it's available right now at vcy.org, vcy.org, or by calling 1-800-729-9829. We can only get so much in in, in this time here of Crosstalk, but uh, certainly the, the story is well put together and uh, documentation from this time. And, and you will hear from Herb and Linda. You'll hear from their two children as well and the issues and things that were unfolding and, and just how this uh, story all Fits together. So we'd like to encourage you to get a copy or multiple copies uh, by uh, calling 800 729 9829 or that of uh, uh, going to vcy.org. Uh, Herb, we were talking earlier uh, about this whole prospect of, of death that you were facing and, and uh, the uh, the issues that were going on uh, in your life and, and this. Uh, uh, I forget the term right now that that you had used uh, about this the prospect of death taking place. Uh, tell us more about that, if you would. This what you call the marathon of death. Yeah, uh, the last week of February rolled around, and uh, uh, the circumstances worked out that Hassan and the the, the ones I call the Hawks. Uh, really, really worked intensely for three weeks every day to cut off my hand, and they couldn't get it done. And and that began this marathon of death because they were actually trying to uh, get my hand cut off but actually uh, have my life exterminated at a killing camp in the mountains of Chechnya. And they really worked on getting me... Uh, up there, and uh, it was a lot hap- happening from the, that last week of February to the very end of June uh, that I call the Marathon of Death. And one of the miracles, there's several miracles that happened in the whole ordeal, and one of them was that uh, they, they, they could never get me to that uh, death camp. And and the other one was they couldn't get my my hand cut off, and uh, so it was a but it was a very oftentimes very intense experience. Wow, wow. Well, let's just get up to the point. I know there's more in the DVD and more of your story that unfolds there. But but uh, first of all, uh, if I could have you Herb, tell us when you learned that you were being released, or what, what circumstances that came up to that point, and and then Linda, we're going to get your reaction as to when you first find, found out about your husband's release. So Herb, let's begin with you. What what was going on? Okay, um, towards the very end, I heard the Russian phrase. On yed, which means he is riding, and it uh, the, the verb to ride it means I was going to be released and would ride out of there in, in a car, hmm. and and so uh, I couldn't believe my ears because I'd been wrong once or t- twice before, and I didn't want to be wrong uh, again, and um, my food server walked. Uh, through my room, and I asked him, "Did it look like I was I was going to be released, be 
going home, actually. And he said, yes, I was. And so uh, he brought me my food, and then I, I finished that up, and then he came for me later and, and quickly uh, took me downstairs. I was on the, the second level, took me downstairs, uh, and I met the, the guys who were going to transport me away from the area. And so the whole thing w- was on. And, and God brought it through. Wow. So, Linda, let's hear your side of this equation as to when when did you learn about your husband's release? So what was happening? Well, I was asleep. It was um, 6 o'clock in the morning in Arizona, and the sun was shining in real brightly. And I, I the phone rang, and I, um, I woke up, and I thought it was later than it was I had slept in. So I answered the phone, hello. And um, on the other end of the line was Bill Daniels. He was the government um, person that dealt with me about every month. The the government would uh, call me. He would call me and tell me any updates. And um, he was the one that told me that probably there was a 1% chance he would ever get out because he was the only American that they ever got. He was being held in Chechnya, and he was a Christian, and he was a missionary. But I told him my hope was in the Lord, and he said that was good because that was going to have to be needed. So he called me this day, and um, he said, how are you? And I said, I'm fine. How are you? And he says, I'm just doing really good. I have some good news for you. Well, one time he had told me that there was good news, and his good news was that there were four men decapitated, and Herb's head wasn't one of them. So I was always one, you know, couldn't ever know exactly what his good news was. So I said, oh, really, what is it? And he said, Herb is out. And he was not the one that was supposed to tell me that. One of the men from our mission was supposed to tell me so nobody could trick me. So I never thought that he would be telling me that Herb had been released. Mm-hmm. And so I said, oh, I wonder what does what he mean? May knocked out? But so I said, I don't know what you mean. What is it? And he said, Herb's on his way toward Moscow in a chat right now. Oh, my gosh, I came up out of that bed like levitation. It was the best feeling, like every good thing that ever happened to me was all rolled into one. And I came up and I started yelling. My my son was at home and his fiance was there and my daughter and my little grandson and my son-in-law. And I started yelling, Daddy's out, Daddy's out. And so ran out in the hall and we're all jumping up and down and around and everything. And... um praising God and crying, and um, then I remembered I had the phone in my hand, so I said, oh, Bill, I'm sorry, and he goes, oh, don't be sorry, he said, I'm just so glad it turned out like this, and in a little bit, when Herb gets to Moscow, he'll be calling you. It was just so great. So, yeah, Herb, you made that phone call? Yes, I sure did, yeah. <laughs> so what, what, what can you recall about that phone call? Well, I was, I was starting to get emotional, but the, it was just a short one, so, um, you know, it was just uh, power-packed and very, mm-hmm. very happy. <laughs> yeah. Linda, I'm sure you'll never forget it. No, I won't. It mm-hmm. was really something, and then within a while, uh, just an hour or so, I was on my way to Wheaton, and I, I picked up two guys from our um, organization, and they went with me to Moscow, and that's where I met him. Wow. So tell me about that reunion. Oh boy, that was really something. He they let me go behind the security in London and he came with some other men and there was one that was pretty tall and I could over this board I could see this guy coming. I knew he was going to come around the corner and he did. And he I mean, he had lost 40 pounds and he had this big beard and he looked like Sultanitsyn when I saw the pictures of him coming out of the plane. Um, but he had gotten shaved, and so he was kind of bent over, and he, I thought he looked like he was 80 years old. Hmm. And then I looked in his eyes, but there was so much peace and strength and hope and love. Uh, I could tell that he'd been with the Lord. I knew everything was going to be okay, because I had worried that maybe he wouldn't be right, you know, mentally and emotionally after all of this. Herb, your reaction when you saw Linda? Well, how how cute she was and how <laughs> nice and bright her pink lipstick was. Mm-hmm. 
Well, we praise God for that release and and uh, certainly the being reunited there. 231 days, this miraculous true story of faith in the face of terror. And uh, fa- folks, uh, this uh, DVD, again, it's approximately uh, 60 Seven minutes and a powerful documentary that uh, you hear their testimony. You'll see some of that video that that Herb had to make in in prison. You'll see him, uh, uh, you know, with that beard and 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 uh, uh, some of his photos from that time as well. And and very powerful as you hear firsthand from him and from um, uh, also from Linda. You'll hear from their children as well and the issues and matters that they were going through. And uh, just for $10 donation, we're making this available just to get it in your hands, the story, to challenge and to encourage you in the faith, to keep walking with the Lord. And and something about the—and by the way, folks, you can go to vcy.org, vcy.org, or call 1-800-729-9829. And Linda, something that's important to point out as well, you know, we look in the pages of Scripture, and, and Herb, you mentioned this uh-huh. as well, about being in the— you know, it's like living out stories from the Old Testament, but we read the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and sometimes, you know, we teach it as this cute Sunday school story, but indeed, this is, this is a true account. It happened centuries ago, and you indicated, Linda, that we serve the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That's right. He hasn't changed, and he, he'll be there for anything. That Herb came out of that situation just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they'd been with Jesus, and they didn't—they weren't burned, and they didn't smell like smoke. And that's exactly yeah. how Herb was. That's what I—that's what I thought as I listened to him talk. He—he he felt that they were more captive than he was. And yeah. when he came out of the plane and he was um, interviewed, one of the questions was, "What would you tell your captors if you could send a message?" And he said, "I would tell them that Jesus loves them because that's the message he tried to get across the whole time he was in captivity." Wow. Wow. Powerful, powerful message. Friends, Uh uh, if you have a a brief comment or question you'd like to ask, we're going to open our phone lines here for the final segment. Our number, 800-733-9829. That's uh, 1-800-733-9829. Did you retire from serving the Lord after this grueling 231 days? No. uh, uh, Later on, we uh, went to Mexico. Well, we went to China first for seven years, and then Mexico wow. for five years. Wow. So continuing to serve the Lord. And uh, many wonder, very quickly, how you can love your enemies when you're being persecuted. How do you respond to that question? Well, we are supposed to be channels of the Lord, not just live our own lives, but let Him live His life through us. And with uh, that as our attitude, uh, he can do anything with us and, and help us uh, through any any type of ordeal. Mm, amen. Well, I think it's a question of depending on the Spirit of God to help us, because surely in our humanness we wouldn't be able to, but with the help of God, uh, he loves them when we wouldn't. And then he helps us to love him just as well. My, but God, but God. Folks, we're going to take a quick break. If you'd like to get on board, just even talk or encourage our guest here today. Uh, perhaps you've been challenged and inspired through their testimony. Our number 800-733-9829. We'll be right back. For the Worldview Report, I'm Brandon House. Our website is worldviewreport.com. Since February 2018, after Captain Udell Myers, U.S. Marine, retired, warned me about the coming military draft or a push thereof, I began to do a lot of shows on that topic with him, in fact. Well, sure enough, a commission was formed by Barack Obama as he went out the doors of the Oval Office along with John McCain. And the two of them formed a commission to study drafting America's daughters. They released the report in March of 2020. And as we expected, the commission is recommending to Congress to draft girls. Now we have the retired Admiral, Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Mike Mullins, telling NPR families need to have a conversation around the dinner table about the drafting of their sons and their daughters. Now Military.com has an article by retired military officer saying we need to bring back a limited draft. Pay attention. Do you want your children being drafted to fight a foreign war?
Bourbon Linda Greg with us today. Their story in the powerful DVD, 231 Days, A Miraculous True Story of Faith in the Face of Terror. It's a documentary, but folks, it'll hold you captive as you watch this story. Let's go to the phone lines. We have uh, Pastor Mark calling in from Missouri. Pastor Mark, you're on the air. Yes, I wanted to tell uh, this gentleman and his wife that they both are heroes of the faith. Mm -hmm. And uh, I wondered, because I didn't hear this, but at the time of the kidnapping, did you speak fluent Russian in order to understand your captors? And then I wanted to add one other thing. Yes, we we weren't great Russian speakers, but uh, adequate for the purpose. Yeah, we had (laughs) been in using Russian daily for... Uh, a few years, and so we, we could use it. All right. Well, let me just say this. Slava Bogu. Slava Bogu. Slava Bogu, yes. I want to say this also. Yalublu moi Christianin brat i sistra. So I want you to know uh, that my uh, wife and I love you all, and uh, that's our encouragement in the Russian that we are able to speak. God bless Thank you, Pastor you. Mark. Thank you for the call. At least that. <laughs> Amen. God bless you. Thanks uh, for calling. Let's go to Joe in Racine, Wisconsin. You're on the air. Hello. God bless you guys. That's, Thank that's you. Really, um, something. That's really something to, to do that for God. I uh, feel called myself, but you know, I'm. I'm. I'm uh, I had watched the, the Otto Koning, uh pineapple story. That boy. That. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. That, we, we, we're going to chop his head off at one time, you yeah. know? <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, holy cows. You know, I mean, hey, I told God that he can have everything I got. It's well, all the body, that's, the rest of my time, and whatever, you know. And I really I really am grateful to hear you guys have gone through this. It's inspiring me to take the steps that need to be taken. Amen. Good. Thank you. you guys. Thank you, Joe. Oh, that's wonderful. Appreciate your call here, Joe. Uh, powerful move. We're going to pick up one more call here, and this is Mary in Milwaukee. You're on the air. Yes. Yes. Um, you inspired me, too, to uh, keep the faith. I was captive to in Roman Catholicism, not knowing that back then. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was captive to be drug addiction, and I used to get high, satanic stuff, under the influence of Satan. It's not fun. Mm. And I'm so sorry that you went through all this, and God bless you for not giving up on the faith. God bless you. Amen. And please bless keep you it up. And no matter, time. even if so-called Christians try to silence you, do not do that. I know of a Christian who says he's saved, but trying to tell me to be mm. quiet on important issues, I will not. And thank you so much for that, Mary. And and I know that, that uh, praise the Lord, that uh, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, no, you were not burned, but you did not bow And uh, when that That's image right. was set up. And we praise God for that. I Let me just play the trailer here. I've got the trailer uh, queued okay. up here as well, and uh, then we'll have some final comments. Missionaries Herb and Linda Gregg had traveled to Dagestan to teach and share their faith. At first, all was well. Then, on a cold fall evening, the unthinkable happened. For seven months, Herb was held captive, beaten, threatened, and faced death on a daily basis. I think these men would have no problem killing my dad if they didn't come up with the money. He didn't need to have a physical Bible with him, but he had the word completely in his heart and in his mind that would strengthen him. Friends, it's a powerful 231 days, this miraculous true story of faith in the face of terror. Again, we're making it available our way of saying thank you for your support of $10 or more here at Across Talk. You can get multiple copies available at vcy.org or by calling 1-800-729-9829. How, you know, you made this documentary now some years after this event, and it's, I'm sure in your mind it's like it happened yesterday when you review all that's taking place. How will watching this DVD, talk about some different classes of people, how will this impact a person who has just been nominal in their faith with Christ? I think uh, they can see how wonderful and uh, worthy the Lord is 
through our story mm-hmm. and that he's w- really worth going through hard and, and, and heavy times. And therefore, that, that helps counteract uh, nominalism. Yeah. Linda, do you believe that an, inbel- an unbeliever would be impacted by this film? I do. I think there are many uh, people that have had some contact with Christianity and either walked away or didn't choose to go that direction. And I, I think that you can see the reality of who God is, that he's real, he's powerful, he's sovereign, he's the creator, and he's able to do anything. You know, you wonder if you come to the end of your resources when something really bad happens to you, if God will be there. Well, our story is that he is. And there are a lot of non-Christians. They're scared and they're worried and they don't have that hope. And our our story is one of hope. Actually, it's God's story. And I think, you know, things are going to get hard for Christians here in the end uh, before he comes back. And I think he wants us to know that he can take care of us. We don't have to be scared. We just keep our light burning and living for him and loving him and growing in him, and, and he'll take care of us. You know, as you were talking, I, I just thought of that hymn, He Giveth More Grace, and, uh-huh. and that second verse, when we have exhausted our store of endurance, when our strength has failed ere the day is half done, when we reach the end of our hoarded resources, our Father's full right. giving is only begun. Begun, and, yeah. And that's what you experience, God's sufficient right. grace. And it isn't just, you know, older people, it's our kids, too. Yes. They yes. were, they, you know, they were young, and God met them where they were, and and he just matures us through hard things, you know, as he draws us closer to him and then uh, just shows us and makes us more like him. Amen. Amen. Well, our time has come to an end here for the broadcast, but uh, Herb and Linda, thank you for your testimony of faith, your testimony of endurance, and uh, just your testimony of of faithfulness to to God who loved us and gave his son for us. Thank you both for for being with us today. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Jim. God bless you both. Stand the line here for just a moment, if you would. Uh, With us today, Herb and Linda Gregg, uh, serving the Lord uh, in the... Uh, in Dagestan, a uh, province of Russia, uh, serving the Lord as missionaries. Uh, Herb taken captive 231 days. Their story is documented in this DVD. Call 800-729-9829. God bless you folks. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Crosstalk via satellite and the Internet from BCY America. Views expressed may or may not be those of this station. For a CD of today's program, send a donation of $6 or more to VCY Tape Ministry, 3434 West Kilbourne Avenue, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 53208. Or download by RSS or podcast from crosstalkamerica.com. And join us again for Crosstalk. Crosstalk.